0: Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: It's so- We have come to a pivotal point in Jewish history, in Israel's history, in the Bible, because now that Solomon has stepped into eternity, we come to the time of the divided kingdom for Israel. They were, Saul was their first king around 1100 BC, then eventually David became the king, but only part for part of the tribe. So there was a divided kingdom for seven years when David first became king, the great King David. Then the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes were unified. Then David passed on and Solomon became king and he reigned for 40 years. And then Solomon stepped in eternity, but with all that great sin in Solomon's life down the backstretch of his life, God had sent the prophet Ahijah to Jeroboam, one of Solomon's most capable administrators in his kingdom and told them that he would be receiving 10 tribes of israel to be king over them but he would always god would always have a remnant with the tribe of judah in the south because of god's faithfulness to david and david's faithfulness to god and god had promised an everlasting kingdom through david which ultimately is fulfilled through jesus christ coming as the son of david through mary the son of god And all that. So we now come to a place, 931 BC is when Solomon stepped into eternity, and now Israel is a divided kingdom. And we read this verse by verse on Tuesday night, just going to survey a couple elements of it to set us up for the text tonight. So Jeroboam, who had fled because Solomon wanted to kill him once he heard that God was going to give him the majority of the kingdom once he deceased, he had gone to Egypt. Rehoboam, the names are similar, the son of Solomon had become king to replace Solomon. So Jeroboam had gone into exile, the trusty servant of Solomon, very capable and ambitious. Rehoboam had become king. And so the people went to Rehoboam, the tribes gathered to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and said, hey, be good to us, we'll be good to you. Your dad was hard on us, be easy on us, and we'll serve you. And Rehoboam sought counsel And Jeroboam was kind of leading the tribes against Rehoboam in this confrontation over how they'd be governed and what to expect. But then Rehoboam said, give me three days and I'll come back to you. And he sought the counsel of his dad's counselors who gave him good counsel and said, hey, treat these people with respect. Be a servant leader and they'll follow you. They'll they'll be with you. Just don't just don't be foolish right now. But then he went to his young friends and said, no, you're the guy, you're the boss. Just tell him you're going to be twice as heavy as your dad was and teach him a lesson because that's what young men do who are powerful and tyrants. And it didn't work. And so... The, the ten tribes rejected Rehoboam, and they said, We're not going to let you rule over us. You're the house of Judah. We're everything else, and we're going to go our way. So eventually, those ten tribes went their way, the northern part of modern Israel and historical Israel, and they would be led by Jeroboam. The southern tribe, Judah, along kind of absorbing, annexing Benjamin with them as well, plus quite a few Levites because the temple that Solomon built was in the southern kingdom area, they were there in the south. So we now have a divided kingdom, and it's like that for hundreds of years until the Assyrian captivity and then the Babylonian captivity. So this is a whole new timeline in Israel for how things went. And now in verse 16, we read this account of chapter 12. Now, when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, and the people answered the king saying, "'What share have we in David?' We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse to your tents, O Israel, and now see to your own household, David. That would be Judah. So Israel departed to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of revenue, he's he's the IRS, Uh, but all Israel stoned him with stones and he died. Therefore King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee To Jerusalem, so Israel has been in rebellion—that is, the north—against the house of David to this day. In the south, now it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, that is, from Egypt, they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. That is, the ten northern tribes. There was none who followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin. They're geographically next to each other. 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. So the plan was to get all the 12 tribes back under one king, Rehoboam. Verse 22, but the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, thus says the Lord, You shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Let every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. Therefore, they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back according to the word of the Lord. So this is the background of how we've got the divided kingdom, the ten tribes in the north, the two tribes in the south. It was a difficult time. There really was no place to go for favorable political governance over you at this time in Israel. We'll see tonight before we're done, as we saw on Tuesday, that Rehoboam was pretty much a nothing king. He was just on the afterglow of everything Solomon did. He didn't do anything great. He is notable here that he, he obeyed the Lord, and didn't go up and attack the northern tribes, so he gets some credit there. In the record of his life in the book of Chronicles, which is the book that focuses more on the kings of Judah, this book focuses more on the kings of the north, like Jeroboam. It tells us later on in the crux of his life when the king of Egypt came to take the gold shields that belonged to Solomon. That record is in both this book and Chronicles. That he humbled himself before the Lord and God showed him some mercy because of that. So Rehoboam, there's nothing that stands out in his life for good, other than the fact that here he didn't go fight the northern tribes. And later on, when Egypt came and took everything from him, he humbled himself before God and found some favor, which just teaches us it's always good to obey the Lord and humble yourself, even if you're not not solid on the things with God. Those are God will always honor good things in that sense we see from the story of Rehoboam. Jeroboam, it's all bad. He was ambitious. He's tyrannical, and he's just, it's all bad. In fact, it's, it's so bad that future generations will be compared to him, and it's not going to end up good for him, his household, or anything there. So we have these two kings tonight that no matter where you went in Israel at this time, you cannot find, and I mentioned this Tuesday, and in the United States of America right now, you can go to certain states where state laws are favorable, the governors are favorable, more favorable toward the things of God and common sense than other states toward the things of God and common sense. We have that choice. You can do that as a U.S. citizen. They didn't have any such choice. We may not have that choice. There's times when you don't even have such a choice. There's times you're just when you're born, when you live, and where you live, and it's just that's just the way it is, and it's just a tough go, and that's the way it can work in life. But it's not so much what happens to us or happens in our timeline, of course, but how we respond, which we'll get to in a moment here on this night. But the reality is the land is in division, and in a difficult time, it always comes back to the choices that we make. The choices that political leaders make. Jeroboam chose his things, made his choices. Rehoboam made his choices. One was to act. One was to not act. One was to create false religion. The other one was to not remove things that were contrary to God. They're not very similar, actually, these two guys, other than they're both evil and that they hated each other. They fought against each other the entire time. Rehoboam would be king for 17 years in the south. Jeroboam would be king for 22 years in the north. And the one thing they agreed on for all the things they hated is they hated each other. And they're in conflict their entire reigns to each other. Like two political parties of the same nation, complete opposite worldviews, although they're both evil. And they just agree that they don't like each other. Almost like I were told, like, Pilate and Herod the Tetrarch didn't like each other. But the one day they agreed is that they both agreed they didn't like Jesus. It's for us in the Gospels. These guys, they're bad kings. Nothing's going to make them good kings other than the things that I mentioned that are said about Rehoboam. A big difference between the two of them, though, is that in the case of Rehoboam, he does have, like, this safety net because he's in the right family and he's in the family trust. And he's in the will. And what I mean by that is God had promised he wouldn't eliminate the tribe of Judah because of his promises to David. So no matter how bad Rehoboam is, his descendants are still going to make it because the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to come through the descendants of David, through Solomon, through Rehoboam, and this is just the way it is. So he kind of knows that he's like a trust kid. You say like a trust child? Like he's still, no matter how bad he is, his family's got a little safety net because he's under the blessings of Solomon, and really is under the blessings of David. Financial blessings of Solomon, spiritual blessings of David, and it'll go to his descendants, and we'll see that as we go forward in this book and later on in Chronicles. Jeroboam, not so. He's got no guarantee other than God sent a prophet to him and said, look, I'm giving you the same chance I gave David. You can seek me, obey my word, do what's right, honor me, and I'll bless you, and you'll be a great king of Israel. That's what I'm offering you. But he didn't, have the, he didn't have the David factor, the tribe of Judah factor. He's just like, hey, make good decisions for you and your family, it'll be good for you. If not, it won't be good for you. So really when you, we looked at these three chapters the other night and we reviewed them tonight, it really comes down to choices, the choices you make as kings, but really the people in the land and the choices they made under those kings and how they carried themselves and what they chose to do or not do. And be, this is important because as we go forward in this book, in the coming weeks and months, moving toward Christmas and even into Second Kings, we're going to have people that are heroes in these books of First and Second Kings. So we're going to have people that, like Elijah and Elijah who are a minority but choose to do the right things with the Lord in a difficult time. Most of the characters we're going to see for the next three hundred years of Jewish history in these books, they're just—they're not people you're like, ah, oh, not another king like this. As I told my wife the other night, look, I went 55 minutes on Tuesday night because I don't want to see Rehoboam and Jeroboam next Thursday. I did three chapters because I don't want to see these guys. I want to just go on to the next rest stop on a road trip. I've, I got all I wanted them for one night, three chapters. And, but they're here. And they're, what can you do? It's like studying Russian history or U.S. history or European history. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly, and then things go in cycles. And these guys, they're yoked together because their names are similar They're the same. They're the first two of the divided kingdom. And it's a land of division. And it's a division that God allowed. That's important too. We're told in verse 15, part of what we read and in what we read, the Lord said, this is of me. You know, there's just times there's division in a country and it's of the Lord. Like Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address, woe to whom judgments comes, but they must come and they do come. And he spoke to a divided nation on a battlefield with some 20,000 men had been slaughtered just before that in the Battle of Gettysburg for three days. There are divisions in families sometimes that just happen. There are divorces that happen that just, some things can be redeemed, some can't. There are people that are removed from ministry that can be redeemed and sometimes they can't. There are things that happen politically in a, in a state, in a city, in a city council, in a school board that, that can be unified and saved. And there's divisions that cannot be saved. That can be, you, you just, because sometimes you just don't have what, what fellowship is light with darkness. But sometimes it's like you have two good people and there's still a division, like Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. Two wonderful men, great missionary trip. They come back, they have a dispute over what the next team looks like, and there's two different teams. It's a division of the Lord. Vineyard was birthed out of Calvary Chapel because John Wimber went down the street. And Chuck gave him a thumbs up because Pastor Chuck was like that. You have two movements now instead of one. This is is church history. I mean, John Wesley came out of the Anglican Church to become a Methodist and start the Methodism. So you just—Ray Bentley went down the street from Mike McIntosh, if you know your Calvary Chapel history in San Diego— these are not, God, we have to know that God's big this, but this is a division that God allowed. And that's what's important to keep in mind. This is a God-ordained difficulty. And in this context of the lands and division and the choices we make, the first point I would make out to us is, point to us is that this is a God-ordained difficult circumstance. He said in verse 24, for the thing is from me. So often we want to put things together or save things that maybe are just meant to be separated. And that's just the way it is. The longer you live, the more you see this in families, in ministry, in business, in human governments. God raises up one, brings down another. He sends these people this way into Antioch of Syria, and he sends these people back to Cyprus and says, Go get them. That's right there in the book of Acts. This is the human experience where we have difficult times, we have God-ordained difficult situations, and we have to realize it's of the Lord. I was thinking about this for our own country and planet Earth. The last 21 years has been very massive of change for the human race. I mean, really, just go back to 9-11 and how it changed the world. The endless war in the Middle East, because there's always endless wars in the Middle East, just the escalation of it. And you look back now, now in hindsight, like, what would what, what it, what it, what it do? What was it all about? Do we even still know what it's all about? The Russians are in Syria. Israel bombed Syria. Iranians, Persians are building nukes, and Russians are helping them, and we're doing this with Israel. I mean, it just, it just goes on and on. 9-11 affected the whole planet tremendously. It, we, we have to take our shoes off when we get on a plane. Because one guy tried to light his shoe on fire on a plane years ago. And now it affects a billion people traveling around the, the world every year. You take your shoes off, right? Because one guy, the result of 9-11, post-9-11, and the war on terror. Well, the rights we lost as American citizens, not to mention Euros as well. After, you know, the Patriot Act and all these things, these, these rights that our founding fathers set up, they were eroded and changed. We do not have the same rights that we had as American citizens before 9-11. That's a fact. That's just a plain, simple fact. And so in so many institutions we trusted before 9-11, we don't trust since 9-11, and rightfully so, if that's going to upset you, there's at least some things generally you could be upset with. But don't let it upset you. But if you were, at least you have something to be upset about. And then, of course, the last three years and all that happened with COVID, how it affected our country, how it affected our state, how it affected the world, how it affected people in Europe, how it affected people in Russia, how it affected people in Africa, Asia, China, even to this day. So much has happened in the last 20 years of my life between being 41 and 62. It's, it's hard to believe what we've seen. Really, we could have never foreseen it, let alone all the liberal laws and just the advancement of things that are contrary to God's word in our society, uh, the invasion in the school system. It just, it, the, uh, the, the insanity of it all is just mind-bending, to say for sure. But if you grew up underneath this and you're younger, like Generation Z, you would just think that's all you knew. So you would be desensitized and you wouldn't even understand what it once was like and that we're like a nation with bronze shields when we used to have gold shields. But that's not really the point of the study. Because this first point is about it's God-ordained. And nothing happens on planet Earth that God doesn't allow. And even the, the violence of our last election and the uncertainty of a future election, if anyone even trusts it. These are all things that God's allowed. And we need to be reminded of that tonight in October. We really do believe in the church. I mean, we're singing songs with Jack about Jesus and we're singing about God's faithfulness. We, got we believe that Jesus is on the throne. And he allows things for the human race in our timeline. He allows things for people of different countries in their timeline. He allows things in our personal lives for his purposes in our timeline and in our regions and whatnot. And we need to just realize like it's of the Lord that this thing is from me. Ultimately, whether it's something you want to experience, fear experiencing, because even when Job, when Job lost everything in one day, all of his wealth, all of his family, he said Two things. The thing I feared the most has come upon me. That, everything. But then he said to his wife, "Can we not ex- we've accepted blessings from God, can we not accept adversity? See, he saw it as being from the Lord. It wasn't about the Sabaeans or the whirlwind that blew the roof off the house and killed his kids, like a tornado in Texas or something. It was ultimately about the Lord. E- either we believe that God is on the throne and in control, or we don't. And if we believe he's going to raise us from the dead through faith in Jesus, we, or do we do well to make sure to never forget that he is on the throne? And since he knows the hair's on our head, we can know if it's a, something that affects just our world or our entire planet, we got to know that God's in control. So really, that perspective is super important to keep that in mind, because what can you do? Our, our You know, you could blame the Saudi Arabians for 9-11. You could blame the terrorists for 9-11. You could blame George Bush for what we did in Iraq. You could blame the current president for our, our departure from Afghanistan and debacle that that was. You can blame the doctor for not diagnosing your cancer. You can blame the governor for not letting you go to church. You can blame anybody for anything, anytime you want to blame them. But ultimately, you got to know that God's on the throne and he's in control. And it's of the Lord. This is a good thing. To me, this is a really good reminder because we've been through so much and who even knows where we're, where we're headed with the current recession, a European deep recession headed for a depression and an ex- probably an expanding European war. I mean, the current war in Ukraine looks like a World War II war, right? See, when Europeans fight war, they go like this. You know, we're used to these terrorist wars that we've been fighting. The Euros, when they go to war, they just go through land. Russians, Ukrainians, and Eastern Europeans, they go like this. That's what's going on right now in Europe. And Russia mobilized 300,000 troops because they know how to fight that kind of war. You just throw more people out and you just move, you move the boundary. There's a lot of things that would be unstabling, uh, uh, unsettling. But if you know that the Lord's in control and on the throne, they don't unstable, unstabilize you. If you look and you say, oh my goodness, who's going to run the future, Rehoboam or Jeroboam? We're right on the border between Judah and uh, Ephraim. We ask our neighbor, like Sam Koka, Sam, should we live in, you know, should we go to Ephraim and be under Jeroboam or should we go down here and be under Rehoboam? And your neighbor, Sam, goes, I don't know. They both don't look like good picks. That's the human experience. Presuming you even had the choice that you want to do that. This text, above all else, reminds us, in a land of division, where people in power are making their choices that affect everybody, we got to remember that God is in control and never lose sight of that, that the Lord is on the throne from the hairs on our head to the macro decisions that could affect the entire planet Earth. Because for all that we've been through in the last 20 years, we haven't really talked about nuclear war, and yet you can hardly read the news in the last month and not read about this nuclear potential with Russia, the U.S. response to nuclear war. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're so desensitized, we wouldn't even blink when we're talking about going Boom. But just know this, nobody can do anything without the Lord allowing it. Nobody pushes any buttons anywhere without the Lord having the final say. And you got to know that. The Lord is on the throne. He has been, will always be. And the vision of Daniel chapter 3 is all these mighty kings, the mountain of the Lord crushes them, and the kingdom's established. So we don't let our hearts be moved, but we have peace with God in our heart because we know that Christ is on the throne. And that's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So I don't need to understand if there's integrity or corruption in the highest governments on planet Earth. I need to worry about is there integrity or corruption in the man I see in the mirror. That's what I, that's what I need to accept responsibility for. And, and stay focused on the things that are my God is on the throne. Because th- these are unpleasant chapters. But God is on the throne, and if we keep that perspective, no matter what we're facing personally, within our family, within our region, within our nation, within planet Earth in 2022, moving toward 2023, if we just remember that God is on the throne, we know he's allowed it, there's a bigger picture, and we can trust him, and we can have peace. Because Jesus said to his followers, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. And the world is very unsettled right now whether they want power or trying to control money, the world is very unsettled. But of all the people that wake up on planet Earth, we're the people who are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ can have peace, absolute peace, because of who he is and where he's at on the throne. And he's not forgotten us. He's not on the far side of some faraway galaxy, unaware of your personal life, my personal life, what's going on in California, planet Earth, Costa Mesa, the human race. For this thing is from me. And if we look at all the events that have perplexed us and just say, ultimately, it's the Lord and he's doing something and he's allowing things a certain way, we can have peace. We'll let God run the universe and we'll just accept responsibility for our self-determination of what we allow our hearts to be moved toward or against with the King. Now, the second thing we see tonight, not only is is it's God-ordained difficulties and situations, and we can have peace by keeping that in mind and keeping our eyes on him. He'll keep the imperfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee, is what the prophet Isaiah said. But we, we get Jeroboam, and we have to look at Jeroboam because as we look at his failure, we look at the exhortation for our success. So verse 25 in chapter 12, it tells us what Jeroboam did. So as he became king in the north, he's like, I'm the king. I've got power. This is what I'm going to do. He built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and he dwelt there. Also, he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn back to their Lord rehoboam king of judah and they will kill me and go back to rehoboam king of judah therefore the king asked advice and he made two calves of gold see he got advice but these are not the same people that gave rehoboam bad counsel these are his own people giving him bad counsel see, It's all bad counsel
0: You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.